After a demoralizing loss in Washington, Green Bay Packers fans sure could use something positive to take their minds off dwindling playoff hopes. We'll do just that with NFL Films producer Chris Weaver, who tells us about his latest project from just outside Lambeau Field. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're recapping a unfortunate loss in Washington this morning. To do that and talk about some other Green Bay Packers projects, we have a guest joining us on the phone this morning. Expert interview. We have Chris Weaver of NFL Films. Chris, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Brian. You... Hello, Packer fans. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you do. I'm not sure Packers fans like themselves this morning, but um, anyway, uh, we're going to get to your latest project in, in a few minutes here. But before we do, we have to talk a little bit about last night's game. Uh, Chris, I know you watched it. The Packers defense let the team down. Do you blame the Packers pass defense or credit Kirk Cousins for a remarkable game or is it a combination of the two? What is it? Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. I mean, Cousins looks great. There's no doubt about it. I've seen uh, quite a bit of him the last couple of years and that was one of his two or three best games of his career. So it's hard not to uh, give him a lot of credit. Uh, but there was a lot of holes in the secondary there. You know, there were some big plays, and uh, it's hard to ignore those as well. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of blame to go against the Packers, but Cousins looked great. Don't want don't to take too much away from him with three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and, you know, the Redskins are on a roll now. I think they've won like four of the last five games. That's a good team. But uh, the Packers need to do some shoring up on defense, it looks like, for sure. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Uh, the Packers' offense kept them in the game, but are you surprised this team is maybe not better on the offensive side of the football with a talent like Aaron Rodgers leading them? Well, it, it's like he keeps saying, like Aaron himself keeps saying, the, the bar is set so high there. They've been so good the last few years that you just expect them to be almost flawless. And, you know, they're going out and they're scoring, I think, 24 points a game. I know they've scored at least 24 more in the last, I think, four of the last five, something like that. So they're they're putting up the points to win. Uh, I, I just think as a fan, I'd be going, you know, 24 points, we should be winning these games. Uh, so do, do I think they could be better? Yeah, maybe. You know, he's he's so good, you always expect him to be great and almost better than what he's doing at any given moment. But they're scoring points. Uh, I think enough to win, and again, I you know, not to keep burying the Packers' defense, but, uh, you know, they just gave up 30-plus points for the four straight times. So it's it's hard, to, it's hard to pick on the offense too much, but I get why there's such a microscope on the offense and Rodgers being how good they've been in the past. Yeah, it is weird, especially how good the Packers' defense was very early in the season, and it's kind of gone in a reverse direction. But what do you think of the Packers' playoff chances at this point? Well, the short answer is they're still in it, you know, and, and 
you know, they, they're only, what are they, two games back of Minnesota and Detroit, and they still got to play those two teams. And, you know, they, they beat Detroit earlier this year. So there's still a chance. Now, you know, the numbers and the, the wins loss to the side, they, they just they don't really look like a playoff team right now, especially on defense. So what I'd say is there's certainly a chance. And the NFC and really the whole NFL is pretty wide open with only about three or four dominant teams. So they're in it. But it looks like they got some work to do if they really want to turn the corner and be a true playoff. Not just not just make the playoffs and get a playoff berth, aren't a playoff berth, but to get in the playoffs and be a threat. You know, it looks like they've got some work ahead of them for the last third of the season here. We're talking to Chris Weaver of NFL Films here at Cheesehead TV's Railbird Central on a Monday morning. And Chris, I'm excited now to talk about. Uh, uh, your work with NFL Films, your feature on Green Bay's Shadow Lane debuted this past Friday uh, on Fox Sports 1. Can you describe it and what you learned when visiting Shadow Lane? I'd say the first thing I learned is there's really no place in the world like Shadow Lane. Uh, I've been to Green Bay a handful of times for, for shoots and projects with NFL Films. Going back to, I think the first time I went was right after they won the Super Bowl. We released a DVD about you know highlighting the whole season, and I got to go screen that in a, in a theater full of Packers fans. I was there a couple years ago doing a feature about a British comedian named Tom Rigglesworth that looked like Aaron Rodgers, and we sort of took him around Green Bay. And you know when I've been on these trips there, I've always noticed what a unique setting Green Bay is in, a, in such a unique NFL town. And Shadow Lane is sort of like the encapsulation of that. You know, you've basically got Lambeau Field, one of the greatest stadiums in sports. It's almost like a high school stadium in the sense that it's sitting in this neighborhood, surrounded by a neighborhood on three sides. And, you know, over the years when I've been there, you couldn't help but notice that. And, of course, Shadow Lane, again, that was sort of the highlight, you know, street for that whole neighborhood. And so a, a fellow producer named Ryan Kelly had pitched that idea for NFL Films Presents, and it was handed to me to direct and, and edit. And I had an absolute blast, and I can't wait to go back to Green Bay and Shadow Lane and, and just be a fan and, and do it as a fan next time. Yeah, very cool environment there uh, right next to Lambeau Field. Um, for those of you who have never been there before never seen it, uh, make that on your bucket list to go check it out. Um there, Chris, there, there's kind of been a little bit of negative attention from a local government perspective on, on so-called, you know, party houses, I guess they call them, that are rented out near the stadium. Are, are any of these properties like that, or do you see them becoming that? Well, we featured three different properties in, in this uh, NFL Films Presents episode, and one of those three, uh, it's called the Packerplex. They do rent it out to... Uh, fans for some games and then they also use it uh the owners use it for themselves with their friends and family and uh, i i i thought it was really cool that they opened it up to rent it it gives an opportunity for uh fans you know especially outside of the market you know coming in from out of town a place to not only just come and stay for the weekend for the game but to really be a part of the lambo and packer game day uh tradition and, you know, like we were there a couple weeks ago, I, I did this feature that we were talking about now for NFL Films Presents, and I came back a couple weeks later uh, for the Colts game to shoot a virtual reality project and then went back to Shadow Lane and did some shooting. And while we were there, the Packerplex, the one that they rent out, you know, this family had come in. This guy was celebrating his 60th birthday with his whole with friends and family, and he told his, you know, his wife said, what do you want for your 60th birthday? And being a big Packers fan – all the way up. He's from Washington State. You know, he said, I just want to go to Green Bay. I would, I'd love to rent one of these properties on Shadow Lane and celebrate, you know, my 60th birthday with my good friends and, and with the Packers, his favorite, you know, team or hobby. So I think it's a neat, really cool opportunity for people to be able to come in 
and be a part of the Lambeau experience. And I'll, and I'll say this, the, the owners of these homes uh, are, are just, I think Green Bay is lucky to have representatives like this of their town and their team. I and mean, they're, they're really good people, just like most of the people I meet in Green Bay. So I think they're representing the town well, the team well, and I think it's a really cool opportunity for people to come in and see what it's like to, to uh, experience game day there at Lambeau and Green Bay. Yeah, sometimes I think the fear is worse than reality. People worry about uh, a college fraternity renting it out, but they probably can't afford it. It's, it's the guy celebrating his 60th birthday who's going to respect the property uh, more likely than not. Um, but, but Chris, now, now take us behind the scenes. What, what was your role in producing the feature? Well, as I mentioned, another, a fellow producer, we have, a, we have an annual meeting every year where we sort of pitch ideas for our NFL Films Presents series, which we've been doing for a long time now. And, again, having been to Green Bay, I was aware of Shadow Lane and, and the neighborhoods around the field. So when Ryan Kelly, a fellow producer, pitched the idea, I thought it was a great idea. I, was, I, I loved it from the start. And he was initially going to produce it, but he, he was, got hung up. He was working on another project for NFL Films uh, for our Timeline series on NFL Network. And he sort of got so – caught up in working on that that they had to hand it off which i was extremely grateful for because i knew it was going to be a fun piece and so i went out and directed the shoots and did the interviews and and sort of organized the footage and then came back and edited it and uh there's actually no writing in this piece no narration so i did all the editing and sort of shaping it into the story it became and uh so basically directed it and then edited and produced it in the end that's interesting. How often do you do the uh, do ones that don't include narration as opposed to those that do? That's a good question. I, I mean, it depends on the project, but I always try to my, – my philosophy is to always try to cut something or edit something in a way that you wouldn't need the narration so you could sit down and watch it and not even have somebody have to explain it for you. And then sometimes that's achievable as it was here with the Shadow Lane feature. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need more explanation that gets provided from the, the interviews and the audio you capture in the field. So I'd say the goal is always to try and, and, and make it as, with as little narration as possible. But, you know, I just finished working on a Troy Aikman football life, an hour documentary on Troy Aikman. And, you know, that's just impossible to do a one-hour story on a player like that and not need narration. So a lot of it just depends on the forum and, the, and what the feature or film is. But you know, less narration, I tend to think is a little better. That's just a personal preference that I think, you know, helps keep you as a viewer uh, immersed in what you're watching instead of having sort of an outside voice come in. So less narration, typically better. And in this case, it worked out where I didn't need any. I find that fascinating because that really is, you know, uh, a work of art right there in saying that you got to think of really hard to, to enable to get the people, you know, talking on camera to tell the story. So uh, I think that's really neat. Uh, for those that didn't catch the debut, uh, how can they watch it now, Chris? Uh, it's up on YouTube now on the NFL's uh, official page, and it's actually a two-parter. The first part is more like a tour of the three homes that we uh we're featuring and then part two it features katie nolan uh fox sports one talent she comes in and, on game day and sort of experiences a little bit of shadow lane and then she takes a trip down her first ever trip into lambo it was a bucket list uh uh you know event for her to come and see a game at lambo so she got to go in and actually brought one of the homeowners from shadow lane with her uh one of the homeowners michael holton <laughs> and so it's now up on youtube i would say go to youtube and search nfl films shadow lane or you can look me up on Twitter. I'm at Weaver NFLF, as in Weaver, my last name, and NFL Films NFLF. And it's pinned atop my profile right now. So uh, 
I hope you'll uh, check out both parts. Before we let you go, uh, Chris, uh, you alluded to it earlier. You're also working on a virtual reality project while you were in Green Bay. Can you tease that for us? Sure, you bet. What we're doing is uh, Google has put a lot into a project that we are uh, part of, and it's called it's virtual reality. We're taking this virtual reality rig around to nine different uh, NFL cities and stadiums and games, and sort of giving fans a you know full game experience with this virtual reality technology. It's it's a totally new technology for us. We're still learning it, and uh, you know trying to overcome challenges, but utilizing you know the, the thing the, the stuff it features best. And so we went back, like I said, a couple weeks ago for the Colts game. And went around town to some places that I'd shot before, again, with some of these other features that I'd done. You know, we talked to uh, the mayor about uh, Green Bay and how it sort of transforms from a weekday to a game day. I went to a couple local restaurants, including Kroll's West, across the street from the stadium, again, to show here's what it looks like on a Friday when it's empty, uh, the parking lot is empty, and here's what it looks like on game day when there's two or 3,000 people uh, hanging out tailgating. So... Uh, the virtual reality project, it's going to be for Google. Uh, I know it's exclusive to the Google app on one of the Google phones, but it, too, will be up on YouTube at some point where you'll be able to at least do the 360 experience. Uh, on YouTube, it won't be the full you know, goggles uh, complete uh, experience, but it'll be the 360 experience. So, again, you can, you can search for that. I'm not sure when that will be up. Uh, I'm thinking around Christmas, but, again, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be posting that, and I can give you updates on there as well. So I'm really excited to see that, working with this new technology. Fascinating. Uh, Really cool. I look forward to it. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us this morning, giving us a few minutes of your time and talking about these projects. Uh, I think they're great. You do great work at NFL Films, and uh, keep up the good work, all right? Well, certainly appreciate the kind words, and thanks for having me on, Brian. All right. Take care. Chris Weaver of NFL Films joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning, a Friday morning, uh, Monday morning. Uh, glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. Green Bay Packers lose in Washington on Sunday night football. They now drop to 4-6 and six on the season with their playoff hopes on life support at this point. As usual, in order to work our way through this game, uh, we're going to go through our post-game chips report. And um, this was a difficult one because there were not that many candidates and there were a whole lot more in the cow chips category than anything else. But I usually start with the good get to the bad so your blue chip performers for this game and I'll I'll start out by saying uh in the fourth quarter uh early in the fourth quarter you know who was going to be on this list was Jared Cook and and I still considered almost honoring him in some way because outside of one play he had a really good game um but you know he had the fumble and he did have a drop pass earlier in the game but the fumble at the end I just couldn't you know, at that point, you can't give it away and, and then still stay in the blue chips. He's not going in the cow chips category. Uh, there are players who played worse and certainly didn't have the production that he did. Uh, he just kind of gets a, a no-show for this game. So that that was unfortunate that that marred an otherwise good performance uh, from Jared Cook in his, you know, return to football after, you know, more than a month away. 
but as it is, uh, the blue chips got to go to somebody, and one of them goes to Julius Peppers, who uh, made plays in each phase of the game. Um, in in pass coverage, I guess. Um, I'm not sure he was really responsible for covering anyone, but still, he in the second quarter, he made this leaping tip in which, of course, you know Julius Peppers is already six feet seven. He's like the tallest player on the roster. But he ex- leaped up, extended his arms to their full length, and just got his hands on a Kirk Cousins pass that ended up going incomplete. It was a, a very athletic play. And, I mean, those are the kind of reasons you actually signed Julius Peppers to begin with. He also had a sack that led to a four-yard loss in the third quarter. So good in the pass rushing department. And then he was also part of a big third down stop on a running play when he was actually in a defensive tackle position. I mean, it's he pretty much splits his time between defensive tackle slash defensive end, you know, slash elephant outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and all this was in light of a week when he was questioned by the media whether he could still make plays, and, and deservedly so, because especially like the prior two or three weeks, Julius Peppers was nearly invisible. So it was good to see him out there make a big-time contribution for this team. Uh, I thought he might have been the best player on the field last night, uh, at least in a Green Bay Packers uniform, but <laughs> not overall. Um, but, uh, yeah, good job to Julius Peppers. Uh, the other blue chip goes to David Bakhtiari, who who was the highest-graded highest player uh, on the Packers roster from ProFootballFocus.com. Uh, you know, I didn't see him give up a sack, and uh, more so than that, though, just just gritty play out of Bakhtiari, you know, uh, after getting the contract extension to start out the season. You, the, you saw him on the television screen uh, in a close-up the last snap before halftime. He appeared to get hurt, and, and you saw him hobbling off the field, and the Packers had the football, and you wonder, oh, are they, should they try a last-ditch effort to get a desperation field goal? And, and you know, he, he gets hurt, and it's a good thing. They probably just, just you know, went into halftime because, I mean, it was a long shot to begin with, and they didn't have that much time. And then David Bakhtiari gets hurt. But, you know, it, it appeared to be one of those situations where he just he probably just needed a play or two off. And, and thankfully, it came at halftime. So he got, you know, 15 minutes off and was able to return in the second half. And, and the Packers really needed him because, I mean, first of all, he's doing a good job out there. It wasn't David Bakhtiari's fault the Packers lost the game last night. Uh, but, you know, Don Barkley gets hurt. So they're really down on offensive line depth already without J.C. Treader. So they need him to get through the game, and he gritted through it. And uh, thankfully, here coming up, the Packers have, you know, this week they play in Monday Night Football, so kind of get the extra day of rest. David Bakhtiari could probably use it. So him and Julius Peppers were the blue chip performers from last night. (coughs) In the red chip category, the good but not great uh, one of them, of course, goes to Aaron Rodgers, who, you, you know, you, you could, sir, I'd certainly understand if anybody wanted to make the argument that he was a blue chipper uh, last night, uh, I would go along with it. Uh, but I put him in the red chip category. He his Here's his final statistical line. 
finished completing 26 of 41 passes for 351 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, so he took care of the football and did not turn it over. That was all good for 115 passer rating. Um, he also led the team in rushing with 33 yards, um, which, you know, is maybe nothing special, but, you know, maybe more of an indictment on the rest of the Packers running game this the Sunday evening. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I know, did particularly well when he was blitzed, throwing two touchdown passes, averaging over 10 yards an attempt, uh, didn't take a sack when blitzed, and having a, a quarterback rating of, 141.7 uh these were all really good things coming out of that game making several nice you know plays down the field uh jared cook in particular uh no randall cobb had one big explosive play there uh good plays that aaron Rodgers set up uh although this this is still not aaron Rodgers at his peak uh you know he was he was puzzlingly off target several times which you didn't see at the peak of his career two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Uh, and he was outplayed out by Kirk Cousins, who certainly didn't seem to be affected by the wind. And you wonder if some of it had to do it, but Kirk Cousins did just fine. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers probably to blame for taking that sack to uh, Kerrigan off the edge when Brian Balaga blocked down and certainly, you know, seemed like that was what Balaga was, you know, trained to do. So you can't blame him. Um, so I guess that's why Aaron Rodgers is in the red chip, uh, not the blue chip category, but still, you know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the reason the Packers lost, uh, last night either, although he wasn't great the first, you know, two, three drives of the game, but the Packers offense really kicked it into gear since there. Um, so he gets one of them and beyond that, you know, folks, I I'm really struggling here for the, for to, you know, really recognize anybody here in a positive fashion. So your your last red chipper, you know, I get I always give two in each category here. The second one goes to tight end Richard Rodgers, actually. And basically, this is probably more of a case of him not making any mistakes than anyone. There was plenty of players out on the field who made a lot of mistakes. And, and Richard Rodgers, while he wasn't great, he just didn't make any. His, if you look at the statistics, they were really modest. He only had four catches for 28 yards. But what he did, though, is he caught all four of his targeted passes. So uh, anything that went his way, he caught it and a couple which went for key first downs. And perhaps most important, I just saw him turn upfield and get what he could. Uh, so often it seems like Richard Rodgers is running in quicksand, but last night he maximized his opportunities. And he also saved the Packers' butts on the second half kickoff that Jeff Janis misplayed. I understand it was hard in the wind, but still... Uh, he misplayed it, and Richard Rodgers recovered at the two-yard line, which was better than the alternative of giving up a touchdown to Washington. Uh, on you know, it's not like it was an onside kick; it was just like uh, landed short of the goal line. Something you got to play on the air uh, before it hits the ground, and and so he saved the Packers there of of potentially six you know points for for Washington uh, right there. So. Uh, good, good job to Richard Rodgers. Uh, kudos to him. Especially, I, I, not, I was very critical of him the past few weeks as well, kind of like Julius Peppers. Uh, but he turned it around. Unfortunately, there weren't more guys like him on the roster. All right, your your cow chips category, and 
I only give two, but there's certainly a lot more candidates for this category than than just about anywhere else on the roster. Uh, one of them goes to, I tried to you know equal out one on offense, one on defense here. One goes to Don Barclay, who allowed uh, this these statistics, again, according to Pro Football Focus, allowed four pressures himself while the the whole the entire rest of the offensive line uh, allowed just three hurries the entire game. Barclay allowed four pressures himself alone. Um, he also had two holding penalties this game, one of which wiped out a touchdown by Ty Montgomery. Um, and, and I'm not going to blame Don Barclay for getting hurt and having to leave the game. That's not his fault. Uh, but certainly the team was better off with Jason Spriggs at the right guard position once once Barclay left and didn't return with, uh, I believe it was a shoulder injury. Um, so uh, Spriggs out there, and, and, you know, I almost considered Jason Spriggs for kind of giving him a red chip because I thought he really stepped in and did well, certainly did better than Don Barclay. And I know there was a, I just was watching, you know, Jason Spriggs for a couple reasons, because he's a rookie for one, because he was playing a new position for another. For a guy who probably trains the majority of the time at tackle, uh, I thought Spriggs played exceedingly well. I remember one time, like one of the his first snaps of the game, he really got twisted around on a pass uh, play that ended up not hurting the Packers, but you could just see like the guy goes right by him and you're like, uh-oh. Uh, but I thought from that point forward, he was just really good. Uh, and and I think the Packers, you know, I don't know. J.C. Treader's probably going to return soon, and I wonder what the Packers are going to do. But they can't go with Don Barclay anymore, and, and this solidified it. You, you know, whatever. You don't have to cut Don Barclay. He can be the, the, the seventh offensive lineman who's on the bench and maybe blocks for extra points or something like that. But they can't have him out there on offense unless – you know, two guys get injured. It just can't happen, I don't think. Um, so so Don Barkley gets one of the cow chips. And the other, take your pick uh, of the Packers uh, cornerbacks here. Uh, Micah Hyde, Ladarius Gunter, Quentin Rollins, all of whom gave up a touchdown last night. And, and linebacker Joe Thomas was to blame as well in pass coverage. He got exposed a couple times. Um, uh, I, I went with Micah Hyde, but I, I, it's really a horse apiece here. Uh, Hyde, uh, uh, appeared to give up a touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and I know he gave up another reception to Jordan Reed for 28 yards when it looks like he was kind of the culprit in pass coverage, but you know, really here, and, and this was, you know, trending on, on social media, on Twitter, there this this graphic they threw up on the screen by M. You didn't you didn't have to be on social media to see this evening. They they showed it on the screen. Uh, NBC did this graphic during the last night's game. Uh, the what what the passer ratings when opposing quarterbacks are targeting the Packers cornerbacks and pass coverage, and it's like everyone on the Packers roster. When there is giving up a passer rating of over 112, I I think the lowest one was Ladarius Gunter, uh, and quarterbacks had a, a rating of 112 when throwing in his direction, and it probably only increased last night. And, and 112 is uh, all these numbers are ridiculously high. That's not even good 
Uh, and that was the best of the bunch was Ladarius Gunter and, and Micah Hyde and Quentin Rollins. And even though he's injured, before he got injured, they had Demarius Randall's passer rating, and that was terrible. And Micah Hyde, uh, who's a, a, you know, kind of a slot cornerback and plays safety sometimes, they were all ridiculously bad. Uh, it, it really is one of the most disappointing facets of the season uh, that they uh, the, the play of the Packers secondary. I just thought they were so young and up and coming. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get any better. Uh, I, I'm discouraged more and more by the week that these guys will be able to turn around. The good thing is they're still young and maybe they'll be able to. So anyway, that is your chips report from this game. Uh, but to, uh, round things out here, the day ahead. All right. Uh, you know, we, we just had a lot of negative attention here and hopefully we've gotten that out of our system. A little bit of positive news here. Uh, there are a couple of events here on Monday that, uh, make you feel good. Uh, if you're a green Bay Packers fan, first of all, uh, we're just a few days before Thanksgiving, right? Uh, defensive lineman Kenny Clark and Dayton Jones, a pair of first-round draft picks, are ringing bells for the Salvation Army tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock p.m. inside the Lambeau Field atrium. Uh, so for a very good cause, like I said, just a few days before Thanksgiving. And this is a tradition that they do kind of throughout the whole holiday season. I believe they, it started last week, and they'll be doing it here through uh, you know, Christmas, New Year's as well. Uh, so uh, it's just uh, that Kenny Clark and Dayton Jones are the guys uh, doing it this evening. You know, they're the ringing bells, and then they, they sign autographs if you make a contribution. So if you're in the area, uh, I think that's really cool, a way to get a, a cheap autograph and, and, and a way to, uh, you know, contribute to a good cause at the same time. And, and then also tonight, uh, it, I know it's a special edition of, you know, Monday nights are always the— the busiest day on the talk show circuit. It's a special edition this Monday night at Clubhouse Live, um, the 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 one that's streamed online at PackersNews.com, uh, produced from the by the folks at the USA Today Network, Wisconsin Bureau, um, and held at uh, the Clubhouse Bar and Grill inside the Radisson Hotel in Appleton. Uh, you know, it's 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 Clubhouse Live is typically just open to the public for free. Tonight, it's a ticketed event, um, but it also goes to a good cause. Uh, tickets are $12, and they benefit their Stock the Shelves initiative here before Thanksgiving. Uh, there's going to be uh, you know, live music entertainment, a cash bar, and food for purchase. And uh, you know, Ty Montgomery is always the weekly guest, uh, but his... His or his, the weekly host, his guest tonight is going to be Randall Cobb. So kind of a special edition tonight in which they're raising funds to, uh, you know, I, I think it goes to a food bank or something like that. Uh, uh, but they're Stock the Shelves initiative here before Thanksgiving and before the holidays in general. So good event there. Um, and those are, those are two real feel-good events on the Packers calendar today. There's, there's other talk shows. Um, uh, Devontae Adams is on Packers Live with Larry McCarron, the recording tonight. Jared Cook is the co-host on Inside the Huddle on the Woodward Radio Network, among a few other shows, which I don't know who the guest is tonight. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's going to be an awkward press conference for Mike McCarthy that will be streamed live at Packers.com uh, Monday afternoon before the coach records his weekly television show. 
you know, Monday evening inside the Lambeau Field atrium. So, so if you want to go to those or tune into those, feel free. But I, I suggest you opt for the more feel-good versions that are benefiting for uh, th- these Thanksgiving causes. So there you go, folks. Uh, that's what's happening on this Monday. And uh, hopefully uh, you get through your Monday and uh, feel a little bit better after a fourth consecutive Packers loss that is not making anyone feel too good at this point. Uh I I know the Packers are mathematically alive for the playoffs. Uh, I can't see them making it at this point. The Packers almost have to go undefeated the rest of the season. And it's it's a manageable schedule. They certainly could do it. I just don't think they're going to do it the way they've been looking. But um, we'll talk about more about that another day. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Uh, another edition of Railbird Central with... Uh, uh, Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com, who joins us every Wednesday during the season uh, to break things down from this game and look forward to the next Packers game. Uh, so we'll be doing that and, and talk more about this Packers and, and what's wrong with them and where they go from here on the next episode. So we'll see you later, folks. Um, uh, my call to action today, just just do what Chris Weaver suggested, our, our guest before. Fo- give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already. It, it's it's WeaverNFLF. That's his handle on Twitter. And he's got, like he said, a, p- a pinned tweet that includes the video to uh, these features we just talked about on NFL Films on the Green Bay Packers and the organization in Shadow Lane. So, Go do that. Give them a follow and, uh, hey, give them a shout out. Say, hey, you did a great job on the show today. I like it when uh, people tell our guests they do well. So uh, go do that, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll talk again on Wednesday. On behalf of everybody here at uh, Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caravu. Uh, We'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Words by Umphreys McGee on Sci-Fi Records. See ya. Go Pack. Go.